This morning we're going to dive into the book of 1 John. Um, So I encourage you, if you don't have your Bible in front of you, there's a couple black hardcover Bibles in the back. I encourage you to to go ahead and grab one of those. Uh, We're going to look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. If you have the black Bible, um, it's going to be on page 1,210, right near the back there. We're going to start by reading 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. In considering this set of scripture, and in fact even in discussion with Caleb this week about this text, an idea came about of how simple and straightforward this message is from the Apostle John. Anyone who's been adjacent or within a church, anyone who's even considered elements of the gospel, knows the command to love God and to love your brother. But the danger as we approach this text is the idea that in some some cases, familiarity can breed contempt. This age-old phrase that familiarity breeds content means that the more we know something, the less we care about it or appreciate it. The more we take it for granted or maybe even have disdain towards it. It can work itself into interpersonal relationships. The more we know about someone, their secrets, their fears, those skeletons in their closet, the less we may like them can work itself into systems and inanimate objects. For instance, your car or your job. You may enjoy your job or your new car for those first couple of weeks, but then the novelty wears off. That tear in the seat starts to bug you. All of a sudden, you start to feel resentment toward this thing that you thought brought you joy and peace. But my prayer this morning, Buffalo City Church, is that we would press into this foundational truth that the Holy Spirit is providing us under the inspiration of the Apostle John in this text this morning. And beyond this morning and this message, my prayer is that we would never grow weary, that our familiarity would never breed sinful contempt in the joy of his mercies which are new each morning. My prayer is that we would fall afresh on the truth, letting us acknowledge and rejoice with his word from Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, which says, The steadfast of the Lord never the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
So I'm preaching to myself here, and I'm preaching to you this morning that we will see and find and be convicted by something new this morning. That our understanding of an everlasting God in our finite selves will never fully be achieved this side of salvation. This morning, in this familiar concept and in this similar, familiar set of passages that we'll talk about, I ask that the Lord would allow us to search and find a new area where sin resides and His mercy abounds. May we be encouraged and spurred on to love and good works by this familiar word in this passage this morning. All right, so let's get into it. As a summary of these set of verses in chapter 2, we see that from the beginning, God has commanded his people to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. The command that he's talking about is telling us that extending that love then to those around us is what we're commanded to do. This command was made new, made fully manifest in the person and work of Jesus Christ who shines light in what, into what it means to know and to love God by obeying his commands. The text is ordered in a way in which verse 7 alludes to, the, to not having a new commandment or this old commandment that we've had from the beginning. Verse 8 then talks about the same commandment yet being new, and then verses 9 through 11 starts to talk about the heart of the commandment, tying back to walking in the light, which was earlier in the letter, by loving your brother. And so that's how we're going to walk through the text this morning, taking it in order, looking at what what does it mean that this is no new commandment in verse 7? What does it mean that this is a new commandment from verse 8? And then finally, the heart of the command to love your brother in verses 9 through 11. So verse 7, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Starting with Beloved, John is relating and reminding the church of their standing with God. As those who have been chosen, ones who Jesus Christ has set his affection towards. Being told you are loved by God is an encouraging reminder for all Christians, but especially for a people marred in strife and discord to whom John is writing. If you recall, back in January when I last preached on the last set of of verses in this text, John is writing to a people who were just abandoned by friends and members of their local church, people who had ascribed to be Christians, but didn't truly believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. And so he's, he's writing to these folks who still remain to encourage them that they're doing the right things to walk in the light that, God, that Jesus Christ has provided. And so he starts, those who are loved by God, right? Talking to these people who remain, I am writing you no new commandment. This discussion on commandments is an extension, a continuation of what John provided in the first part of chapter 2 that we talked about in January. 
In verse 3 of chapter 2, he dropped the foundational truth that we know God through Jesus Christ if we keep or obey his commands. We know God through Jesus Christ if we keep or obey his commands. Alternatively, he is saying that unrepentant disobedience is unbelief. The Apostle John here is writing to encourage those that remain in the faith. Those who have remained steadfast in acknowledging the truth of the gospel. And so he begins the setup of the most important of God's commands by explaining that this is no new commandment, but one they have in fact heard. This isn't something that those who left do not know. No, to obey his commands starts with this old command that you, and in fact those who have left the church, should have known from the beginning. So what is this commandment that John is referencing? We can gather that by continuing to read on in verses 9 through 11. The Apostle John references it in terms of light and darkness, as he mentioned earlier in this letter. But it is the command to love your brother, which stems from, or is an outworking of knowing and loving Jesus Christ. This command is in fact one that Jesus proclaimed to the hard-charging Pharisees in his last days on earth. We've been spending the last bit of time Pastor Caleb has been preaching in the Gospel of John, and we've consistently seen the hostility and the resentment, the hardened hearts of the Pharisees who saw Jesus as a threat to their worldly rule and authority. Pharisees who set their blind hearts to not see the truth and instead want to hold on to their worldly position by putting Jesus to death. And so that's the context of Matthew 22, 36-40, where Jesus reiterates and explains this command. Trying to put Jesus to the test, attempting to find an offense against the living Son of God, Jesus is asked by one of the Pharisees, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. This great and first commandment which Jesus is referencing was from the law provided by Moses which should be quite familiar to us from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. In verses 4 through 6 of chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. This set of verses, then, it's interesting to me to compare what Jesus has said and what Moses provided to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy. It says, 
But because initially, after verses 4 through 6, it talks about extending this love of God, right? That this isn't something that we just keep to ourselves. In this set of verses in Deuteronomy, we're called to share the love of God with those closest to us, our family, right? God's chosen people of Israel is who he's speaking to. So we love the Lord our God, and then in Deuteronomy verses, verses 7 through 9 in chapter 6, he said, You shall teach them, being the words he commands, to love your God diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So in the commandment, right, you are to love your God, and then as an extension to share that love with your family. Your children, in this case. And later, as we'll see in 1 John, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Circling back then to the second half of verse 7 in our text. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. The word and command of Jesus from the Father in the beginning through Moses, and the word and command from Jesus... And in and through Jesus to love God and to love your brother. But why is it important that the commandment that is provided is old, that we've had it from the beginning? I think in this case, he's appealing to the truth that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are reminded in Hebrews not to be swayed by the false teachings of the day, but that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And so in laying out God's commands, we are reminded we should be encouraged that those commands have not changed. There is no truth in attempting to say what pleased God in the past doesn't please God now. No, the same God that spoke the world into existence, the same God that delivered the Egyptians from the slavery, the same God that established Israel under a righteous King David is the same jealous God who calls us out of darkness and into glorious light by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. To love God is to obey His commands, and His commands have stood since the beginning. So John provides that we have a commandment that is old, that we've had from the beginning. And so now we look towards verse 8, where at the same time the Apostle John is now telling us that it's a new commandment. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Wait a second. So, we talked about how it's old, right? How it came from the beginning. How is something that is old be new? 
Buffalo City Church, this is where we get the crux of the gospel. The complete and full understanding of the person and work of Jesus Christ and what he has done on our behalf. Because of our sin nature, because of the flesh we inhabit, because in us, apart from Jesus Christ, there is no good in us, there was no way for us to fulfill this commandment. The commandments which depend all the law and all the prophets, as Jesus stated, we cannot fulfill. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and to love your neighbor as yourself was an impossibility. The darkness of that reality was oh so real to those trying to perfectly fulfill the law. It was an oh so dark reality when we ourselves on our own power and strength try to fulfill the law. The depths of our sin and our fleshly inability to avoid turning away from God and putting our neighbors on par with ourselves righteously results in death. Because we can't do it, we're condemned. But again, this is the crux of the gospel. Thankfully, oh, how thankfully, the light came shining in Jesus Christ. We weren't left in the darkness to fumble our way to try and love the Lord our God, to try and fumble our way to love our neighbors as ourselves. No, Jesus Christ came to provide the perfect example and the full fulfillment of keeping God's commandments. And so now the shining light of Jesus Christ provided to us with his word and his spirit sheds light on what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now we have the tie then back to what we saw in Deuteronomy. In this old commandment made new in Jesus Christ, we're to love God and to share that love with with our family, right? To share it with our children, to write it on our doorpost. But in the new covenant established by Jesus Christ, we are commanded to share in the love with our adopted family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. The shift of God's people being those who came from Israel is now shifted to those who call Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. So the command remains the same, to love our God, to love our neighbors as ourselves, but it has been fulfilled completely and fully in Jesus Christ. As God's chosen and beloved, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I ask you to consider a little bit what life prior to conversion was like. I can tell you in one word, prior to conversion, it was one word, self. It was me. It was the incorrect worldly wisdom that said no one cares about you. It was you make your own way in this life. It was you make sure you get yours. 
<laughs> the comedian Jim Gaffigan has a special called Mr. Universe where he makes fun of this self-centered approach of the fitness guru at the gym. Right? You guys can all imagine the, the guy who spent more hours than we can imagine making sure that he's bulked up. And in the gym, right, there's the floor-to-ceiling mirrors, right? So you can make sure and, and know what that work you're putting in is doing for you. Jim Gaffigan says, I want to look at myself while I work on myself. I should make a recording so I can listen to myself while I look at myself. While I work on myself, as I leaf through my self magazine and read about how myself can improve myself. It's funny because that was us. Prior to conversion, it was all about me. The unbeliever can't help but think the earth revolves around the false god of self. The person who drives us crazy because they're so self-centered and just want to talk about themselves and work on themselves was in fact our own unrepentant hearts. And so we should be thankful for the reminder and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit for us to know and to see that it's not about us, but instead about a Creator God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is something much greater to be praised. Amen? Considering our self-focused condition, I believe it was Actually, Kellen Mosier, shortly before having our first child, encouraged me in the sanctifying work of marriage and parenting. He described it like this. He said, I didn't realize how selfish and self-centered I was until I was married and was prompted by the Spirit to see and consider the needs of my wife. I didn't realize how Self-centered I still was until I had kids and was prompted to consider and prioritize both my wife and my children's needs before my own. That, folks, prompted by the Holy Spirit using the circumstances in our lives is the sanctifying work to be praised. That each day we are growing to be more like Jesus who made the ultimate sacrifice and considered the needs of all creation above his own. Now we can obviously still choose to be self-centered. We can have moments where we're ignoring the prompting of the Spirit in disobedience and the sanctifying responsibility of self-sacrifice within our marriage, with our parenting, within our friendships, but Hopefully, in His grace, He calls us to repentance. Think about this. Without Jesus Christ, we wouldn't even consider and acknowledge the good work of the Lord. 
The truth is that Jesus Christ has come into the world as the perfect sacrifice, giving us new life so that we might have the ability to keep God's commands. Through Jesus Christ alone can we see and know how to love our God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so empowered by the Spirit of Christ, we are joyfully propelled, believers at Buffalo City Church, in a Romans 8 sense. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of your body, you will live. So we have an old commandment from the beginning, being reminded that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which as a new commandment has been fully fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ on our behalf, shining light into the darkness of our world. This new commandment is true in Him and in us because of Jesus Christ. And so the next logical question becomes, how then are we to act? As those with the light of Christ, emboldened by His Spirit, if we have been truly transformed by the blood of the spotless Lamb, what fruit or evidence is exhibited in our lives? Or alternatively, how do we know if we we are still living in the flesh, unrepentant unrepentant or disobeying the Spirit of God? Here we approach the third and final point, the heart of the command that John has come to provide, love for brother. Verses 9 through 11. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You are in darkness if you hate your brother. If there is 
hate in your life and in your heart, you have not repented of your sin and believed in Jesus Christ. Let that sink in for a moment. If there is hate in your life, you have not repented of your sin and believed in Jesus Christ. Consider the relation of this truth to Kalen's sermon from last week regarding peacemaking. Right, where he preached from Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, which said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Consider what Jesus says shortly after in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through the first part of 22, he says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment obviously from the Ten Commandments. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And then in verse 23, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother is something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. You see, it's so important to God. There is such a heart transformation element and giving of yourself to the Lord if you abide in Him that He first wants you to reconcile with your brothers and sisters in Christ before praising and sacrificing to Him. Before you come to God and say how much you love Him and how much you adore Him, Make sure you have love for your adopted brothers and sisters in Christ, which shows your transformation, your belief, and your love for God. In that, how high a regard the Lord has for sharing His love. In how high a regard to know that only by truly loving fellow believers can you know and love the Lord. Looking forward to chapter 3 in the letter of 1 John, verses 11 through 16. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers from chapter 4, verse 20, it says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who did not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So, you're in the darkness if you hate your brother. But thanks to the light of life provided in Jesus Christ, we abide in life, we abide in light if you love your brother. 
If you love your brother, you have turned from sin and believed in Jesus Christ. As, you, as we've seen earlier in this letter of 1 John, if you love your brother, you're willing to walk in light. Seeing Jesus' work for you in the light that he brings and walk as he walked in love for God and love for others in obeying this great command. The one who gave his life for the benefit of others is the example, is the entire fulfillment of love and shines a light for the world to know love for God and love for your brother. So we've seen that old commandment that we have from the beginning to love the Lord your God and to love your brother as yourself. We've seen that it has been made new in Christ Jesus who has fulfilled the command fully and perfectly as both an example and atoning work on the cross. And outworking and proof of abiding in the light of Jesus Christ is the love you have for your brother. So in conclusion, let us consider the implications of what that looks like for us to obey this command. In avoiding hate for fellow believers and in turn loving them as Christ loves us, there's a very important personal holiness component, a heart transformation which results in the outward expression of love for your brother. With that, consider for a moment, maybe visualize and start thinking about what hate looks like. What actions or outworkings does hate produce? Now, whatever you were thinking, I'm likely going to ask you to raise the bar of what hate is. Sure, the strife we see across our country, images of people spitting in each other's faces and physical abuse, spiteful verbal attacks, those are likely spurred by hate. But have you considered that it also looks like selfish ambition and love for self? Like Jesus raising the bar for murder to say that we've committed murder if we have hate in our hearts. Have you considered that hate includes not considering or seeing the needs of fellow believers? Because you're so focused on your own need for self-gratification. Your own need for fulfillment. Your own need for achievement. In this moment, and likely needed later today or later this week, I'd encourage us to spend time praying for God to reveal areas of selfishness. Consider areas of frustration with a fellow believer, usually rooted in our own pride and belief that we know better than them. Once you've resolved and repented in your own heart to consider what Christ has done and 
how he loves you despite your shortcomings. I encourage you to reach out and spend some time with that person. As was commanded by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, hate for brothers and of God includes ignoring God's command to resolve ill will amongst one another before coming to God. I encourage us to deeply think about those things that are grieving us. To begin thinking about and seeing what's happening around us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, to your left and to your right, there's plenty of hurt, plenty of difficulty. There's plenty of things going on that you could be the olive branch that they need to see the hope of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Those petty, small things that force you to grumble about someone who force you to gossip or complain to another. Consider how instead you can reach out and care and love for that person. Alternatively, we ask what does then love for a brother or sister in Christ look like? This is another call to check ourselves and to stop thinking about ourselves. If you love God, you will obey his commands and you will love your brother. You will die to yourself. You will look up and see the challenges and needs and difficulties of those around you and rise up to care for their needs. Needs that go beyond physical, immediate needs. Deep spiritual hunger. Things that have been grieving people for years. Be willing to step out seeing that need and caring for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. If we die to self, if we see the needs and challenges of those around us and answer that call, we will in fact be walking as he walked. A God and a Savior who looked down at his people and saw that there was no way to get back to him unless he was the one that came to us as the perfect spotless lamb and hung on the cross on our behalf. From the beginning, God has commanded his people to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, extending that love to those around us. This command was made new, fully manifest in the person and work of Jesus Christ, who shines light into what it means to know and to love God by obeying his commands. Let us walk in that Buffalo City Church, transformed by the Spirit of Christ walking as he walked and displaying the vision that he has for his people and the mission of the local church to make disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ by showcasing that love to one another. With that, I close with the truth of that vision of how 
the local church looks to our local community from John chapter 13, 34, and 35, which says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are and what you've done on our behalf. Lord God, we thank you that despite the sin and difficulty and trials that exist in our lives, Lord God, that you have not left us alone to our own devices. Lord God, that you haven't left us to falsely consider that we ourselves are our own God, but no, you have displayed for us perfectly the love of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Lord God, we pray that you would allow us to push forward in the old commandment which has been made new in Christ Jesus. Would we see that we are loved, that the same God who created all things, the same God who took the slaves from Egypt, the same God who established King David on the throne for his people, is the same God who loves us enough to send his son to die on our behalf. In that, Lord God, may we see the needs of our brothers and sisters around us. Lord God, the need for spiritual renewal. Lord God, the need for a call to repentance. Lord God, the need to know that we are loved. Lord God, I pray that we would leave here, Lord God, transformed by the truth of who you are and what you've done. Lord God, that we would heed your command to love our God and to love our neighbors. We thank you and love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.